Hello, and welcome to another episode of Happy Valley Heathens. Uh, I am Haley. I'm hosting today. Uh, our subject is going to be death, and due to that, Justice felt like he wanted to sit this one out. He does not have very strong opinions, apparently, so <laughs> he's going to be playing video games. <laughs> we have a couple new faces today. Uh, we are joined by Anne. Hi. <laughs> Just going to keep doing that. Um, Yeah, hi. Met Haley at work a long time ago. Um, Was raised Mormon. uh, Stopped going to church around 14 to 16. Um, Kind of agnostic. That's me, I guess. Cool. And also Damien. Hello. Um, I don't know. My family didn't really indoctrinate me that much. I didn't go to church as a child that much. And it's around... 15 or so when I just kind of like decided that I was atheist and you know because I just never really did believe in God and that's about it yeah and then we also have Xander returning hi I'm back um I'll give a brief introduction I guess so I, I was raised in the church and um and kind of like Damien I didn't I, I was I was more indoctrinated but I never really really seriously believe that. I always had doubts. Mm-hmm. And when I really started to logically think about those doubts, I started to leave the church and kind of transition out of it about 14 years old or so. So that's me. Hi. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so we wanted to hit on death today primarily because we were supposed to have a speaker at school on Friday, uh, Dave Warnick, who, um, was he a pastor? Oh, um... He was an evangelical pastor. Evangelical pastor, turned atheist, um, and then got diagnosed with ALS and is doing a campaign called Dying Out Loud, just going around talking about what it means to him to be an atheist confronted with his own death. Um, Unfortunately, that was canceled due to the current pandemic we are facing um, for good reason. Um, so we're just kind of winging it without that, uh, I guess, that input. Um, but either way, this is a topic we have been wanting to touch on for a minute. Uh, I know personally, uh, the idea of death without an afterlife is a little bit spooky. Um, it's nothing, I guess, growing up, I never feared death. It was such an abstract concept. But growing up without any kind of fail-safe, of having an afterlife to, you know, like, continue on existing in some form is uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I think it's good to hear everyone else's input. Just, it's, it's really happy. I'm happy that you say that because you literally changed my entire mind on it. Because I Snapchatted <laughs> you and I was like, hey, you guys are atheists. Tell me about death, kind of that stuff. Because I... Like, growing up LDS, you have this idea of, like, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to this part of heaven kind of a thing. And I never really subscribed to it. And so for a really long time, I'm like, cool, if we are trying as human beings to stay alive as much as possible, like, no matter what, we don't want to die. Like, that's that's main who we are. So, like, what is out there? Like, what are we so afraid of if we're going to die kind of a thing? And so literally up until I was texting you, Haley, 
I didn't really have any other opinion other than that's going to be horrible. And then you said, you're like, it's probably just going to be like before you were born. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> literally my life changed that day where I'm like, I'm, I'm not as scared anymore because beforehand, like it was all terrible, like awful. And now it's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't care. <laughs> so literally you changed my entire point of view. You're welcome. So, you're welcome. What do you guys think? I think my point of view on death is really skewed from a lot of people mm-hmm. because, um, at least had a lot of experience. Yes. What? I've, I've had a lot of experience. <laughs> You've died a few times. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> no. So for, for me, like death has been like an ever present concept in my life because, um, my, my dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness when I was five years old and, um, he sur- so he was given about three months or so to live on that when I was five, right? And um, <clears throat> he survived for another like nine and some years. Wow. So nice. he, he passed away when I was 14. So for that whole nine years of really my entire adolescence, my entire growing up was just, it was kind of like the boy who cried wolf, right? It was like, oh, he's going to die. Oh, he's going to die. Oh, he's going to die. Oh, he's not. Oh, he's not. Oh, he's not. And then it became kind of this running joke. It's like, haha, yeah, they say he's going to die and it's never going to happen. <laughs> right. Um, but just, just because of kind of how I, how I grew up with that, like I thought about death as something that didn't really mean a whole lot. I thought about death as something that was just like, yeah, just, it just happens, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't really think much into it until I guess it happened. Right until he actually died, and then and then a lot of things kind of changed for me. I think I think the main main thing was I, I kind of realized how I f- how much I thought I was prepared for and how much I thought I knew about it, and then like entire worldview shattered when it actually happens. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but but over that whole experience, I've kind of come to my own understanding about death, and like you said, it's it's uncomfortable. Right. It's uncomfortable to think. Oh, there's no afterlife. Because he was, he was a man of faith. He really thought there was an afterlife. And I don't think so. But it took me a long time to become comfortable with that. I had to think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, I'll pass it on to you. Yeah, yeah we should have saved you for last. Yeah, we yeah. should have saved me for last. <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of, I mean, I hope this podcast isn't only going to be what? Eight minutes long. We can go around a little more. We can yeah. go around a little more, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't had a whole lot of people around me die, uh, but my perspective of death was probably the, always the worst part of being an atheist, uh, especially when I was younger. Just like the thought behind it, I was like, well, you know, when I die, there's not going to be anything. That was like the scariest thing for me mm-hmm. for like a couple of years. And I don't know what happened. I just, I, I became numb to it. So it's not scary anymore. But <laughs> I, I honestly feel like that's a, kind of an important thing. Like this idea that, um, People push that idea off with religion and all that, uh, and it, it scares them. It, it's part of what holds people to a religion, this idea that, like, you know, I, I, I just Comfort. hate the idea that, you know, there isn't going to be an afterlife if I don't believe in it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, their choice has an actual effect on what's true or not. But in any case, I feel like, I don't know, I just wish people were kind of exposed to that a little bit younger so that they can accept it. Because, like, going back later in life, it's just like, no, I spent so much time and all of this and I've done all these things it's it's really it's almost impossible for them to like make that final choice and yeah, yeah still people do it, it surprises yeah. me so much <laughs> like that uh that guy who came tabling uh oh. that older gentleman oh yes he's like oh yeah you know I've been religious my entire life I've gone on missions I've done this and when I was 50 I just decided that I was an atheist how <laughs> you're like whole families 
you know, you raise your children this way. I mean, it's, I don't know how you do that. Right. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's probably kind of similar to people that they're like, I feel like I'm not straight my whole life. And then they finally have the, like the gumption to do it kind of a thing. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if it's like that. Where it's like, you've always kind of questioned it, but everyone that's around you is always like, no, no, this oh, yeah. is how it is. And then once you're a certain age, you're like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> the social pressure is a real thing. I mean, yeah. Maybe that explains why it's capable of happening later in life, where you just like, you don't feel that pressure as much as you do when you're younger, trying to please everyone and stuff like that. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a question, if I may. Yeah, of course. So for me, being terrified of death, one of the things that calmed me a lot was the idea of reincarnation, just because I know what this life is like. And so I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. it'll be like this later on. Are there other like types, like versions of afterlife that you guys know of or prefer or like the idea of or anything, whether you believe it or not? I think for me, um, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of different ideas of the afterlife. And I've, I've I've actually investigated a little bit to reincarnation myself and kind of how I felt about that, right? Because um, I'm 18 now, and when my dad passed, I was 14, you know? So for that whole period, I've kind of just kind of explored what exactly do I subscribe to, right? I don't think there's a God, but does that, that necessarily imply that there's no afterlife? Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the definite implication? So I investigated a lot of these things, and I mean... It's, it's only until maybe about a year ago that I really self-identified as a genuine atheist, you know, with, with the implication that I don't believe that there's an afterlife. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's hard to say which one's, which one's better because in the end, you, you, you die anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever you believe in, it's going to Whatever you believe, it's, it's going to end, right? And um, at least for me personally, um, I don't know what the truth is. Right. Mm. I personally believe that there, that the that the universe just operates in, in just in such a way that we are just a part of the universe rather than um some, you know think things are happening to us rather than us happening to them essentially. Yeah. Right. Things are more determinate in my in my worldview. Right. So that kind of um, that's a depressing thought. <laughs> It goes though. <laughs> it goes. Yeah, it's it's a depressing thought thinking that um you know oh you don't have free will and things just happen to you and mm-hmm. things are predetermined just by the just by the mathematics behind it mm-hmm. right because math never changes you know unfortunately um, yeah unfortunately <laughs> math math doesn't change right so you know if if you plug one thing into a function it'll give you the same thing out every time you know. And, and just if, if we assume that the, the universe operates in a mathematical way, which, you know, we have a lot of... This far, we have a lot of evidence. Yeah, a, a <laughs> just, lot of evidence. Just ev- a couple of things. Yeah, just a couple of things to say, oh, may, maybe it's kind of more mathematical than, than not. Mm-hmm. That, that means that nothing really ever changes. And the things that change are just um, things being, you know, us discovered. getting more information. We're discovering things. We're not necessarily creating things mm-hmm. you know like um i think it was michelangelo correct me if i'm wrong but it was michelangelo that said um something along the lines of i'm paraphrasing but in in this slab of granite i'm not carving i'm not creating a statue the statue's already in there i just have to find it. oh yeah, yeah. that kind of that kind of same idea mm-hmm. so it's, it's almost the same thing that's kind okay. of my worldview on things okay right because it is already in there you're not necessarily creating anything but we attribute it to creation because that would have never come out without the human influence Mm. right so it's it's weird and then coming 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 back to a whole like 
creationism thing, right? You know, because the idea of an afterlife after death implies a creationistic starting point, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because because for things to go on after we die, there has to be some kind of spirit that just kind of lives on and things like that. And, you know, all, all of the doctrines that I've heard of that, you know, kind of imply this kind of living on thing imply creation, you know, like especially, you know, like Christian doctrine. And it's just, in that whole mathematical worldview, it just doesn't work. How can things just pop into existence, you know, or just just happen with, with no happenstance? Yeah. Right. How, how can I just come into existence as a spirit and then just come into existence in a human body? How, how, can, how can Eve just be created out of a rib or something <laughs> like that, right? It's just... But when, when I started, like, just critically thinking about it that way... I think it made the idea of death more of a known than an unknown, which makes it, which makes it less scary. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. What's kind of made it less scary for me is that I've been able to break it down to what I believe it really, really is. And it's just the natural progression of things. And I mean, it, it is, it is scary to think that, Oh, I won't, I won't live anymore. I won't exist anymore. All these things that I love, and that I cherish and all these people that I'm in love with, like they're gone mm-hmm. from my point of view, everything's gone from my point of view and I'm gone from them and they are going to have to grieve for me. Like all this stuff is really, really scary. But at least for me at the end of the day, it's like I have a choice to make. Right. And regardless of the choice that I make, whether I run away from death and fear it, you know, or whether I still fear it, but still look it in the eye anyway, mm-hmm. you know, kind of have the courage to stand up to my fear. Cause the fear is not going to change. You can't just not be scared of something, you know, but for me, whatever choice I make in that regard doesn't change the reality. Yeah. So what's healthiest for me? Exactly. Like whether you live your life in fear of dying or you just keep living in spite of that fear, you're going to die anyway. Yes. You know, you have, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that that changes a lot. Of things. I mean, you want to invent immortality with me? Let's go. You guys, you guys make jokes, but that that's like part of what got me. You know, as a kid, I'm like, it's fine because we're gonna be immortal by then, anyways. Like, yes, yeah. yes, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know though. So here's another thing. Like recently, um, so ever since like maybe 15 or 16, I've had a lot of just panic attacks about dying and just like. The concept of being dead forever. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, would I rather be immortal? And also, no, that also freaks me out. Just like the concept of an eternity. Yes. Just like I a know, solid, like unchanging eternity is what I think scares me the most. Yeah, Not I, being dead or being alive, why? but being one of those things forever. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with just an unchanging eternity. Like for me... That's also part of what kind of brought me to be more comfortable with death. Because mm-hmm. right now, yeah, you know, I'm scared of death. I don't want to die. You're not yeah. ready. But I'm not, I'm not really, like, um, actively fearing it. You know, it, it lingers in my mind as something that I'm not exactly most comfortable with and I still grieve about. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, I wouldn't be just that scared of death even if I knew it was on my front door. Yeah. You know, but um, the, the idea of just an unchanging eternity scares me the most. Mm-hmm. That scares you more than death. 
it does. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it doesn't scare me more than that. Yeah, me either. In my head, it's I have the option. Like the the option to die is never not there. Like I don't think within the realm of science we can just like keep ourselves, you know, like be forced yeah. to be alive forever. I mean, right. there's always the other option, which is a, a little bit grim. But even so, with that other option, knowing that's there, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of going on as long as I want, I, I prefer that way more than you know, having that choice taken away from me. Yep. Yeah, I think I think personally kind of I'm referencing more of the um, religious alternatives. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. But... I don't know. I mean, they sound great, honestly. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. Growing up religious, mm-hmm. I did not like the concept of heaven. Heaven sounded about the yes heaven. Yeah, for sure. Well, not only that, just like kind of quantifying just how many maybe i'm grossly underestimating how large heaven is but also just all of the beings that we consider to have souls i don't understand how far back that goes i guess it depends on the religion how many um just like like you just imagine do dogs it being go crowded to like, it's gonna be so fucking crowded it's a tiny thing. finite space yeah, you guys like, get this like, room it's yeah. like it's like a like an arcade, not an arcade, like a stadium, and you're like everyone just has to figure it out. Like, like if ghosts are real, how like mm. think of how many ghosts are just on Earth, just crowding the place up. That sounds awful. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. I like how I like how logical and like mathematical <laughs> you're thinking. You're like we have this much space. <laughs> I never I never thought about it, it that way. That sounds fun. I I am not a people person. <laughs> Well, it's okay. They're all angels now. Well, I mean, that doesn't make it person. any better. <laughs> I think I think it's kind of interesting to talk about, like you know, an eternity in the um, like in a more like um concrete sense. Like, let's say humanity discovered a scientific way um to alter our DNA to cons- consistently re- like revitalize ourselves. If we yeah, continue. like if our telomeres didn't get shortened, yeah, exactly. If we didn't age and if we didn't like just deteriorate yes. over time, right? If, 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 if we so just water. kept on eating and eating food and drinking water, we would live. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? Let's assume that, and we would just yes. live forever. We have oxygen, we have food, we have water. We're good. I'm voting for this right now. This, <laughs> this kind of reminds me of that. Was it Greek? tale of um the uh, some goddess that had like her lover become like immortal but he didn't stop aging he just aged forever it wasn't eternal youth it was just immortality and you just like all turned so old and decrepit you turned turned into like for some reason I think you turn into a cricket or some shit. I don't know. I don't, gross. I don't understand the science completely behind it, but I'm assuming that if we were to ever figure it out, it would um, we largely stay within our prime, just yeah. uh, because it seems that most of the things that we identify with aging seem to be symptoms of aging. You know? So I guess yeah. in this hypothetical that Xander is proposing, we would kind of get to our peak before we start really like suffering the effects of yeah. aging, like declining health. We yeah. would be like most of us would be like early 20s or something like that yeah yeah mid 20s or 30s we would be technically in our physical plan before our bodies start deteriorating because we're assuming that our bodies don't deteriorate at all Mm -hmm. so so even at the ages of you know like like 50 you know when we go through things like menopause and things like that it's the body kind of like saying hey i've run out we're done you know like you're not deteriorating like that anymore Mm -hmm. you know so you're kind of still in that prime. Periods forever. Periods forever. That that's cool. that's one thing that you get. <laughs> you would forget. Well, forever. would that actually be the case? 
Because, I, I mean, mean, each woman's born with, like, a finite number of eggs, right? So Yes. So yeah. I don't think it could be forever. Well, if you continued, in this hypothetical, if you continue to, like, regenerate, then technically <laughs> Well, yes. they don't. Like, well, they don't. They don't. No, that's you, no, but you're your hypothetical the is well, that you I, can I'm, regenerate. I'm just saying that the hypothetical Like, even in, when you're young, they don't regenerate. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just saying... In the capacity of our natural bodies, gotcha. if the, if the things that just deteriorate now just mm. don't, we're talking about things mm. that have the capacity to regenerate. Like if if your liver gets taken out, it will regenerate. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Technically, yeah, you're right. You won't have periods forever. You'll just okay. have periods You'll for have periods until you run out. Oh, of so your if you eggs. take your liver right. out, it doesn't come back. It's just right. if it's damaged, it gets fixed. Right, and we're, okay. ta- we're yeah, we're yeah, exactly. And we're talking like so once you hit like three thousand years old, no more kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about yeah, three thousand, four thousand. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know the exact time frame, but Roughly. yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> But but what what I'm kind of trying to get at is let's just imagine this physical eternity in the physical world and the physical universe as we know it. Um, one, there would be a ton of social issues. People would be born and not dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the big issues that I've thought about in the past. It's yeah. like, yeah, even if we figured it out, what are we going to do with all these people? Population, like <laughs> right. resources. You probably have to put limitations on just breeding. It's called, yeah, it's a movie called Highlander. You get on the wait list, okay? That's when enough crazy. people just start dying, you can like be the next person. Yeah, in I mean, a thousand years, you can have your kids. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many things that kind of come along with this. It's like, okay, when, once you become immortal, do you have to be? Do you have to, in the same operation as just a contract, become infertile? Yeah, mm, right. Yeah. Would that be the Would that be the you know the mm-hmm. price? Yeah, I'm fine with this. This hypothetical is great so far. Mm -hmm. Right. I think a lot of people would choose it. Especially considering that, like, you know, once the population lowered enough, then people could start, you know, having their children again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just... Because the population will continue going down if people aren't having kids. Just because, yeah, people die still. Yeah, people will still die because we're talking about just natural death. Yeah, like, people get car accidents. Because and... our bodies will still be just as fragile as they are now. Because mo- most of us here in this room are still in our physical prime, essentially. Mm-hmm. Though disease most will... I am pretty old. <laughs> He's about 82. Yeah. Like... And, I, I, and I'm about 150 pounds. I'm definitely not my physical prime. <laughs> yeah, but the disease is... I mean, yeah. for young people, it's, it's just a different kind of thing. People, when you're young, you're just not really affected by disease yeah. in the same way. And this is why kind of solve a lot of diseases, not just like aging. It's like, for instance, you got that virus going around and everyone's really concerned. Young people, just, they're just not really affected the same way. Mm-hmm. And that it's not unique with that. It's a lot of things. And just being young is kind of the natural cure-all to everything. I mean, a, a lot of people, like, I mean, the, you, you start deteriorating and, like, your immune system's walls just start to come down gradually, right? So that's why I say with coronavirus, people have, you know, over 60 are at huge risk because yeah. they just don't have the immune system. And if it develops into into pneumonia, like, pneumonia kills people. Yeah, pneumonia is no joke. It is no joke at all. Um, but I I, th- I think personally with just, just the eternities, just the concept. Yes, people can still get murdered and people can still fall ill to disease and people can still, um, you know, do all do all these things to die mm-hmm. except die of old age. It's the only thing you can't die of old it's kinda age. Kind of like those jellyfish that just regenerate forever. And they can't bump into enough things. Mm-hmm. They could, yeah. especially with propellers on boats. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's the only thing that really kills manatee is they get older and the propellers because they don't is, have any. Yeah. That's pretty sad. Someone's got to look out for little sea cows. Mm-hmm. They sure. Yes. <laughs> but I think for me, looking at a physical eternity would take away meaning from my life. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's another thing that, like, the concept of an eternity or an afterlife kind of um, kind of makes this life a little less valuable yeah. and kind of, uh, or at least does it make you take advantage of I can completely what agree you with have that. here? Yeah, exactly. And that's why, at least for me, um, until I do something great in my life, I'm not down for eternity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. See, like, for me... For me, with having such a short lifespan, I've had to say, well, this is really important to me, but I'm not going to have time to do it anyway. So mm. never going to become a trapeze artist. I always wanted to. Not really. But it's, there's a lot of things I can't do because I don't have time. Like, I have a lot of really big things in my life. Like, I want to do this and this. And everything else kind of has to go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. If I had an eternity to do all of it, then I'd probably still be lazy and not do much of it. But... <laughs> I feel like I would have more time where I could go through and do way more things. I could meet more people. I could learn more things. Like I could do a lot more. I feel like mm. that's, that's true. That's my yeah. opinion of no, eternity. I, 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 compl- <laughs> I completely agree with that. I think, I think for me, I'm, I'm not talking about the ability to do things because you would have the ability to do such great things. I mean, imagine, imagine this, like D- Damien and I are planning to, you know, kind of become, you know, inventors and scientists in the future and things like awesome. that. Cool stuff. Very like big, big boy big, stuff, right? Strong, strong oh. men, big brains. Strong Adorable. man, big brains, exactly. <laughs> but um, imagine, imagine this: you have. I'm not saying either of us are, you know, burdened with this at all. But imagine you have this genius, okay? And you have a genius with thousands of years of experimental experience, mm-hmm. and and they know all of this stuff to to a T. Like, just imagine how quickly science skyrockets, you know, because, I mean, we've, we've had these, we've had a number of great people in the, in the fields of, you know, physics, computer science, biology, all, you know, math and all these things. Imagine if, if, an, if Einstein just lived forever and he was continuously innovating things. Mm, yeah. Right. But also we come across the philosophical question of if he really knew he would live forever would he ever innovate at all? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that time pressure thing um, kind of reminds me what you were speaking about last week, I believe, after we stopped recording, mm-hmm. when um, your family was made aware of your father's condition. Mm-hmm. You guys, like, just kind of put your lives on hold and, like, went and lived in, what, Hawaii for a while. Like, yeah. you kind of, like, yeah, if um, <laughs> there wasn't that time pressure, like, if he had this thing that he would always wanted to do, but, like, always, like, kind of putting it off because he was just busy doing day-to-day things, um, probably very good chance you guys never would have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of having that time pressure really makes you evaluate like what really matters to you in life. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think it does. And that's part of why I say, you know, like the time pressure gives me meaning. Mm-hmm. And also for me personally, the fact that I don't have a redemption in the afterlife mm-hmm. gives me even more. It's like mm-hmm. this is my shot. This is this is what matters right now. That's, that's you, one of the more harmful things about religion, in my opinion. Yeah. It's like this mentality that like this life doesn't actually really count. 
I just gotta like this be good, be run. a good person, yeah. 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 And that it's what comes next. And yeah. so you just have tons and tons of people who who, who could have done amazing things, who could have changed a lot, but they choose not to. Yeah, they choose not to because they're like, well, God's got it all figured out anyway. Yeah. My 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 space daddy will come and comfort me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it really is uh, disappointing for me because you can speak with a lot of people. Religion isn't a big indication of intelligence. It's you can speak with these people, and some of them are just so intelligent. You're like, man, if you just weren't like just trying to live, you would be doing amazing things right now. Mm-hmm. It, and it's it's very disappointing for me. Yeah, because it's for me personally. I think. Um, intelligence is completely overshadowed by hard work and like actually actual ambition right because i mean if somebody not just wants to do something but is actually working towards that goal mm-hmm. right like like you can you can have someone like me right and then then you have somebody that's just just insanely intelligent right and then i i work for it right and they and they just like they're just living day to day who accomplishes more Right. Yeah. Just your just your average person that that you know goes for it, or your intelligent person that just sits back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, yeah, like you were saying, it's just kind of disappointing that people just like it. Just it I can't kind of complacent. Yeah, exactly complacent. And I think it's 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 not something that I'm like, oh, well, people should just find meaning in their lives. It's just meanings <laughs> right there. It's like just so easy. Just find meanings. Just do the hard work. Just pull yourself up. It's like that's not what I'm saying at all. And I kind of might sound like it, but what I'm re- what I'm really really saying is like, I personally think that you know at least for me, because I can speak for my own philosophies, I can't speak for the world. I'm not smart enough. But what I can say for myself is that there's a lot of things that give my life meaning, right? And and one of the biggest things is knowing that I will die. Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest things for me. And let's say hypothetically, like. I become immortal. Like I'm, I'm, I've, I've heard people like um, hypothesize that the first person to live to 150 years old is alive today. Yeah, alive right now. Right. You know, I, I've, I've heard that postulate before. Um, well, let's assume that we can take it a little bit further and say, well, okay, if we can ascend life like that, let's just say eternity. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, right. kind of the same thing anyways, it considering is. that as far as the medical system is going, I mean, we can keep people alive just like, keep them alive with all the medical stuff that we have now, but we're not really going to be extending that... That quality of life. Well, also, we're we're not going to be extending that maximum age that much anymore, uh, just due to the fact that it's largely just... Now it's just aging that we're fighting. Right, yeah. yeah, So once someone lives to 150, it's like, eh, they're probably just immortal anyways. (laughs) Yeah, like, have we we really solved aging at that point? Yeah. Because, I mean, if we can can slow down aging, can we bring it to a halt? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I don't know all the answers. I'm not a, you what? know, sorry. I'm, 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 why are you even here? I'm not a biological <laughs> scholar. Who sorry. You? No. Who invited me? Well, you're going to have to claim justice for that. <laughs> who invited justice? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, who invited you? You're not even here. Well, that makes sense, though. Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know. Because if I, if I were to have the, you know, you know, the eternities, I, I would at least like to, um, 
get into the groove of something first, mm-hmm. at the very least. I would I wouldn't like to be guaranteed that from from the start, personally. And oh I, yeah, me too. No, I I can agree with that. Yeah. The idea that it is is it's such a huge motivator. Yeah. Just like got a finite time, do what you can. Yeah. Make the most of it. Yeah. So right. so death is uncomfortable but necessary. <laughs> In... Wow, that that changed my whole. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I, I I think I think there's a lot of necessity to it. Mm-hmm. You know, because personally, it's 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 not just um, personal death. It's also like familial death and you know, death of loved ones and things like that that really kind of, per, at least for me, kind of kind of just changed my whole view on this because it's not like everybody thinks it's like. Oh yeah, you know, um, death gives me meaning. Nobody, not a lot of people think like that. Yeah. Right. But um, I was talking to you about this last time after we after we were done recording, so I guess I'll kind of talk about it again. But I, I mentioned earlier that my dad was diagnosed with um, a terminal illness. It was stage four melanoma, melanoma cancer. Um, and you know, we we can we could talk about the finances of that all day, right? <laughs> But the one thing I will say is that would have screwed us over if he wasn't terminal. Because since he was terminal, um, we got to cash out his life insurance. Mm, okay. Right? Because that he was basically considered dead just on a timer. Yeah. So we used the life insurance to actually pay for treatments and things like that. And then we invested a lot of money so we could actually, you know, get income out of, you know, stocks and things like that. Mm-hmm. All that kind of cool stuff. So great. We didn't actually go into poverty because of his illness. Yeah. That's that's kind of, you know, that's not a that's not an opportunity a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. That's something that we had. Yeah, that honestly is very lucky. Very lucky. Really, really lucky. Because, I mean, that like we had a high quality of life, even though his quality of life was deteriorating. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's something really fortunate that we just happened upon because it was just some person that my dad was on the phone with at the insurance agency saying, Hey, look, you know, you could probably cash out your life insurance. And he's like, I can't. You know, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, Totes. you know, you're just on, dead, but not. Like yeah. Yet. On our 60th page of our terms and conditions. It says, <laughs> In the fine print. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that we don't want to tell you about because we don't want people exploiting us. Right. But, <laughs> but that part was nice. Which also kind of allowed me to just focus on death as itself without all the other just kind of life problems that come with it, right? Yeah. But, so he lived with, he lived with that for nine years. And towards the very end of that, like for a lot, space of the last three months, the last three months was the hardest. Because he got a phone call from the doctor basically saying, hey, um, we've, we've had this a ton of times before, you know, but you will die. And we know exactly when you will die because it has gotten bad. It's mm-hmm. gotten real bad. And it, it, it gotten to a point where it's just like, like his body was just in pieces. It was done. Like, um, because a lot of people, um, with, with, th- with cancer and things like that, they don't, I'm not speaking for all people. I'm speaking for quite a few cases. You die from side effects of the cancer. Either, either just, you know, things that come with the cancer or chemotherapy, right? Chemotherapy kills your immune system. Yeah, you catch it's something. harsh. Yeah. Like, um, like, for instance, my dad almost always had pneumonia. 
bronchitis or something else to do with the lungs, right? Like he he was coughing enough that he was breaking ribs. Like you know he was he always had something like that going on. He was always sick with something other than just cancer, mm -hmm. you know. But for those like last three months, basically the doctor said, you know what, look, um, he's had major blood vessels just collapse. He's not getting the oxygen circulation in his body that he needs. He will deteriorate slowly, and he will decay essentially, and he will atrophy slowly because his body is just not getting those nutrients around. No matter how much you eat, your like your blood your blood vessels aren't working. You right. You just don't have the delivery system. You don't have the delivery system. So how are you how are you gonna get shipments? Yeah. Doesn't matter if you have the stock. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if Amazon has the all the roads are just yeah. closed down. <laughs> Amazon has all the stock and the roads are closed, and you know the airports are done. You know, like how are you gonna get it around? You yeah. can't. You know, and people, and you know, your people will go hungry. You know, so mm -hmm. you will, you will, you will die. And they said you will die in about. He got this call at, um, about Halloween. They said you will die about New Year's, and he died on the sixth of January. Ooh, wow! So he actually kind of made it a little bit longer than we thought. But within the week, like they knew within the week, right? So anyway, the reason I bring this whole thing up, <laughs> right, is. Um, because over the course of that time, when he was like slowly dying, I was just kind of, I was basically watching somebody just rot away in, in slow motion, mm -hmm. right? And I kind of brought some of my attention to the reality of the situation a little bit. Because before, I, I was just kind of like, well, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. But it's it's just like, just the whole suffering experience kind of just brought to me the reality. It's like, hey, death, you know, death is, death is no joke. It's real. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, after kind of, like, living so long and yeah. having it just kind of, like, roll off your back. Like, oh, he's going to die, sure, but we have all this evidence showing that, like, he just keeps living. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he just he just kept on going. Yeah. He just did. Like, it was, like, it, it's dumb. Who lives with stage 4 cancer for nine years? Like, <laughs> yeah. no one. Not many it's people. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is insane, but... um. Anyway, kind of lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> but yeah, having to be confronted with that finality. Exactly. It's 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 like, you know, and I was I was confronted with it in slow motion because for like for like the last two months or so he was essentially brain dead. Mm -hmm. Well, not two months, sorry, two weeks, two weeks, not two months. Um, and like he couldn't communicate at all because his brain had just deteriorated to the point where he just wasn't there anymore. Like, he, he was dead before he actually died, right? So it was kind of at that point where I'm like, I don't have a dad anymore. I just have a, have a body lying down in the room downstairs. Yeah. You know? It was, it was kind of at that point when I really kind of, like, started taking into consideration. It's like, okay, well, what, do, what does death mean? Right? Like, do, like what, what do I care because I never really paid much attention to it. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's this funny joke. And everyone was like, oh, that's so hard. And we're like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know? It's always hard for people that's looking in from somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I, have, I, have this, I have this kind of story from, like, the early days. Like, right after my dad was diagnosed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it's a story that's been passed down to me because I was just too young to remember it, right? But um, my dad was going in for some treatments, and my mom went with him, with him, and then my mom brought some of her church friends, you know, for, you know, support and things like that, right? 
So there was like, you know, my mom and a couple, a couple of the other ladies just waiting for the procedure. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the procedure was. I think it was some, I think it was a surgery to remove a tumor. I think that's what it was. But anyway, the procedure ends and then um, the doctor comes out and, you know, like, you know, invites my mom and the other ladies just talking private, you know, so just, just all of them, right? Mm-hmm. And the, and the doctor basically explains, it's like, okay, well, this doesn't change your, you know, husband's prognosis. He's still going to die in three months, but the, um, the operation went well. And I was like, okay, great. Thank you so much. And then he's like, I don't think you understand. He's going to die in three months. And she's like, yes, I know. And you did your, you did your job well. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he just kind of speaks over her and just says to the other ladies, he's like, She's in shock. Take care of her. She doesn't really understand what's going on. You know? And that was basically the treatment of not just how my mom was treated, but kind of how I was treated. Right? Mm-hmm. Because my mom kind of accepted the reality of re- the reality of it. And she's like, yeah, he's going to die in three months. We already knew that. That's not new information, but you did your job well, so I'm thanking you for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and my mom was like, well, it's not like I don't understand it at all. It's just, okay, I have three months with my husband. What, yeah, am, I, like, what am I going to do? Mope the whole time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Am I going to really make the last three months of his life just dealing with a wife that's not, you know, actually present at all? Because I'm just too beside myself. Mm-hmm. Right? You know? So she she kind of like, she really understood because she believed the first few times that he was actually going to die. I was just too young to understand it. Yeah, because you were what five, maybe six. Yeah, I was, I was, I was five when he was diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah, I I turned six when I was actually living in Hawaii. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. best birthday. It it was it was it was cool. <laughs> I, I I remember that a little bit, but nice. Yeah. That's kind of weird, like just hearing that story, because like mm-hmm. I like Damien, I haven't really gone through death very much either like none Mm -hmm. of my family members I had a grandfather that died but I wasn't close to them so I don't really know them yeah it's kind of interesting like how you go through something and how other people are just like no it's like this like you don't understand it's like this Mm -hmm. when you in your own life you're like no we I understand it's 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 weird to me I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say as I'm saying it yeah yeah no no I am too yeah (laughs) but I don't know it's just it's just very strange to me and how we've kind of gotten this idea of like there is a proper way for everyone to feel about There's everything. There is a prescribed way to mourn. Yeah. Yes. Whereas, like, <sighs> if you've already dealt with it, like, you're like, I know. I've dealt with this. I'm fine. No, you're you're reacting wrong to your own life. Stop yeah. it. Oh, yeah. No. And, like, but back in the day when people died at 30, it was totally normal. They're like, yeah, no, death happens. It's my husband died a week ago. It's fine. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you're used to it back then. But now it's, I don't know, it feels very, like, misconstrued and, like, everything's very strange and different. And we have yeah. this very specific, this is how you react to things now. Yeah, because I, I, rem- I remember um, I was at the funeral for my dad, right? Um, and, see, we had about three months of time before my dad died where we mourned his death. Because it was at that point where, to us, his, his fate was kind of locked in. Yeah. And that's when we started mourning it. But we got to mourn the death of my dad with my dad while he was still alive. Right? Mm-hmm. You know? Which is also pretty unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, that, I'm sure, made you really normal now. <laughs> mm, yeah. No, I'm so, I'm so normal. Nice. Right. <laughs> but at the funeral, um, we had already kind of 
accepted what was happening. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure, I figure by the time the funeral came, it was more of a relief after seeing all that degradation he had gone through. Exactly. Yeah, the, the funeral was actually like the best part of the whole month. Yeah. Seriously, it was. Like, like a breath of fresh air almost. Yeah, exactly. Finally like, relaxing. I'm like, oh, thank God he's dead at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I cared about him. I don't, I don't like to say that. Yeah. But like, in, in honesty, that was like the, the preferred method. Right. Mm-hmm. I am honestly glad that he, he died. Not, not how he did or when he did, but it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. There was nothing anybody could do, and I'm glad that he finally passed on. Yeah, just given the circumstances, mm-hmm. him staying alive would just be worse. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of crossed that line a couple of years before he was really locked into that. Because to have blood vessels and things like that just collapse, that doesn't happen overnight. No. Yeah. It doesn't. And, like, his bones were just getting too brittle. And his, his ribs were also kind of a little bit deformed because they would break and heal and break and heal and break and heal. You know? But, anyway, I digress. Because <laughs> at the funeral, um, there's, you know, at funerals they do viewings, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, my, me, my mom, and my brother, I have, I have one sibling and a mom, right? So... So the three of us are just kind of like sitting by the casket and we're, and we're joking with each other. We're just kind of like telling each other jokes and things like that. And then, um, I, I remember I kind of like, it was at the church. So I just kind of walked out to his drink and I tried to get something to drink. And there was this older couple that came up to me and they basically were kind of like, um, aren't you upset about this? You don't have to hide it. And I'm like, I'm not hiding anything. You know, I've already, I've already kind of mourned my mourn. You know, and and they they were kind of basically saying, "No, you don't understand." Like, yeah. and they and and you know, um, and, and it was a couple, so you know, the, the wife kind of kind of said to me, she was like, essentially, like, "Do you just not care about him?" You know, so um, I <laughs> I kind of felt good about this because I, I was a fourteen year old kid. I was like five feet tall. You know, I was puny, right? Mm-hmm. And I basically say, you know what? If you don't like how we do things here, you can leave. Mm, you know, nice. I'm so, proud of you. <laughs> yeah. So, and then and then she's like, well, you can't tell me. That. I'm like, okay, I'll get my family to tell you. And so my mom basically says, yeah, you know, you can fuck off and leave. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, right in the church. Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like seriously, like that whole ex- experience, I was like, oh, okay. And then life went on. That's the part that I didn't expect. I didn't anticipate. Yeah. Life just goes on without them. And it doesn't slow down to let you just take care of things and then peacefully move on as if nothing happened. Mm -hmm. No, life goes on and life just happens to you and you're not ready. I feel like it was probably even worse for you as well. Because with normal, uh, that sounds bad, with other people. (laughs) (laughs) With normal people. With normal people. (laughs) With other types of death. Like it happens very suddenly. And then, and then you deal with that and you go, okay, no, life does go on. It's going to be okay after a little bit. But for you, it was like, here is death for nine years. You were like, here's death. All right. This is life. And then it suddenly happened. And then you went from like, no, but the nine years of death and now there's nothing like, cause for me, like when things happen, it's very sudden and then I move on. But for you, it's 
so long and then move on. It's just yeah. like I had so I had crazy to, to me. Like I had to grieve like three separate times. Yes. Yeah. That's like, what I'm getting at. Like I, I had to um basically kind of just go through the concept that my dad's on a timer. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go through the concept that my dad actually has a due date now because of like all the things that happened to his deteriorating health. And then I had to deal with the fact that my, that like the whole threat of death was no longer present. Like that whole part of my life, like death had become such a part of my I mean, life that once it's gone, like I'm like, whoa, I was attached. Yeah. I was, I was lifted. Like yeah. this is other life. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, from yeah, five to what fourteen? That is that's your formative years too. Yeah, like, that's, that's all of that. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. So, like, you start having your first like actual solid memories around like three to five years old. So, really, all you yeah, know all of up, about life up until that point was that. that. Yep. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, well, what's life now? I didn't. I didn't even know like how to live. Yeah. Like after my dad died, after after a couple weeks, once. Once I kind of started being settled into things, I didn't know how to go on living. You had to rebuild everything. Literally. As a 14-year-old. Yes, I did. Going through puberty, you had to rebuild. <laughs> okay, no, no, seriously. Oh, that God. was the worst bit of it. That's awful. Oh, my God. It was, it was so bad. Because, like, um, also during that time, like, um, you know, I kind of talked about this on the last episode with my schooling and things like that. But essentially, yeah. like... I graduated from college with an associate's when I was 13. Jeez, what? Yeah, before my... <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, before before my dad died, I was already essentially just, like, kind of done with my mandatory schooling. Jesus. And I had a little bit on top of it. So, like, I was just at home. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not like I had the pressure mm-hmm. of school anymore. That was done. So... You literally are the most different person. <laughs> like, done with college, no dad. Like, jeez. Yeah. I mean, I'm back in school now getting a different degree. But, um, like, yeah. No, um, essentially, like, I basically was 14. But all these things that I had in my life, because essentially, like, I was just doing school. That was my lifestyle was school. Mm-hmm. and like so that was that was gone and then my life with my dad that was gone and then my life just kind of living alongside death was gone all all of those mm-hmm. things that i was like severely attached to because yeah. i was really attached to the idea of death yeah you, you had were living years it. yeah exactly like so all these things i was attached to gone and then it just hit me all at the same time you know so i'm just like okay i'm gonna have to grow up on my own and i don't have like i have I have my mom who's not doing too great, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I, I honestly, like, I just had this phase of, like, a couple of years where I just did nothing productive. I did nothing. And I was just in horrible mental health the whole time. I still have mental health problems from it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm normal, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, about a year and a half ago or so, like, I really kind of, well, about two years ago, I guess, I really kind of started like think about things a little more, kind of face it critically, kind of processing it all now. Because I, I ran away for years, mm-hmm. you know, and and now like I I do my best not to run away from even the small things now because I've just kind of come to my own moral foundations on why I need to actually face things. Yeah. Because if I if I kind of like turned around and faced it, like you know, it's not like oh oh I'll just magically be better, but I would probably not have run away for those couple of years if I just actually like looked at it for what it was. But I didn't know what it was at that point. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not bitter. You know? I had to learn. You didn't know what you didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know, exactly. Mm-hmm. But like I I had to grow up really fast. Yeah. 
like because because now I'm I'm working, I'm going to school, I'm doing you know all this stuff just on my own, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I had to learn not just how to do all those things on my own, but just how to live and be my own person on my own. So I had, I had to grow up and I had to get mature really, really fast because it was kind of getting to the point where I was like, okay, I'm starting to get older. Like I'm not 14 anymore. I, I like, I actually have to kind of like get up and do things now, you know? Mm-hmm. But the reason I kind of talked about all of that is because, you know, kind of learning what I didn't know about death, right? It just kind of gave my life more, more meaning. Because if I look at his life, the way that he led his life for those nine years, and honestly, in my mind, um, cancer is, is a mental game a lot. A lot of it's oh, mental. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, because um, my, my dad did a lot of clinical trials, essentially. Basically, just the doctor saying, they don't know what the fuck to do. Like, let's just <laughs> throw this random drug in and see if it works. Uh-huh. This is basically what a clinical trial is, you know. Um, but he would see people all the time in there. And he, and he always told us, he's like, once they give up, they're gone within a couple of, within like a couple days. They're gone once they just like give up, like the mental fight. Yeah, a lot of life is holding on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and I mean, it's it's insane. Like the power, the power that your brain has, you know, like to just if if you're mentally founded mm-hmm. in something, like, I mean, you honestly do have a like a lot of constitution against things, like you do. Um, but it's it's not just going to cure the illness. It's not. I'm not saying like, oh, you need to just like All mentally placebos. think about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not like, um, mm-hmm. oh god, what is it? The secret where <laughs> if you think about it, it'll happen. <laughs> if you put all your mental energy towards it, you'll get it. That's not how yeah. it works. Right. But but g- genuinely, at the same time, if you are completely in the fight to keep on living, mm-hmm. like. It's going to make a huge difference. It's going to make a difference. It is. And, it, and I think it did for him. Because, like, I mean, he, he led his whole lifestyle. just like, okay, I'm going to do the things that, like, I want to. Mm-hmm. And he had that. He had insane motivation because of it. Like, he did all sorts of stuff yeah. in those nine years. Like, he, had, he was forced to retire early because he was, he was a college professor. And they didn't want him dying mid-semester. <laughs> That's awful. Right. <laughs> So they're basically like, yeah, we're going to force you to retire, but in compensation, we'll pay you salary for the next couple of years, even though you're not working. So they're like, mm-hmm. when are we sure? Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay like, I mean, professor salary is not great, but it ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. better than nothing. Right. What I'm making. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, so he was, he was bringing in, you know, 50 a year and he also had life insurance and everything like that. So that's how we were able to pay for things. Yeah. You know, and he had like about two years of just, you know, paid, you know, retirement essentially he had he got a hundred thousand dollars for just not working at all you know which was nice and then he also got the life insurance yeah, but which, at what price yeah exactly <laughs> like there's you know there's give and take but it's just kind of like coming to my own understanding about the reality of the situation at hand it it gave me motivation it kind of gave me this like you know i had to learn all these things and my life changed a lot but it was only my perception the things that changed because mm-hmm. the reality is yeah okay my dad got sick and he died as a result we expected that and then he died we knew that right nothing changed people will die and we were informed of his death quite early mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing nothing really actually 
in reality changed. Like it was, you know, like it kind of just supports my determinant worldview and things like that. But it's just kind of like doesn't death is an ever present thing, right? It's constant. Mm-hmm. It's just not everyone is really uh, faced with it and has to be yeah. as like consciously aware of it. Yeah. yeah, but now now that I am so consciously aware of it, I have become more accepting of it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I have my own, you know, personal like how I formulate my ideas of death, and that works for almost no one. <laughs> it doesn't, because my my situation is quite unique, mm-hmm. right? And I can't tell somebody the answer about death. I can tell I can give them advice. It's like you know what you know make make you know the last moments with them really really great because I kn- I know some um I know somebody very very dear to me. And her dad's 75, mm. you know, you know, she's, she's about my age, but you know, parents had a child late in life and things mm-hmm. like that. Like her dad's 75 and she, she comes to me and she's like, it's about his time. He's getting old. He's getting really old. Average life expectancy is early to mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he will die while she's still in her twenties, you know, you know, so I can, I can, I can give advice. It's like, you know, Make the last of your days great. You know, do those things that you're like, oh, maybe daily life would intervene. No, do those things anyway. Because that's what we, that's what my, me, and, me and my family did. Yeah. And my dad always wanted to go to Hawaii, but like daily life kind of intervened. So he's like, mm-hmm. what's daily life mean to me anymore? Exactly. Right. I'm actually going to do the things that are really seriously meaningful rather than just, you know, kind of rather menial crap that I'm used by. to. Exactly. So I kind of said, just make, make the most of things and... Um, make sure that they know that even though your relationship's not perfect, because your relationship with your parents isn't perfect, your relationship with anybody you know is never perfect. Make sure you make sure that they know that you still love them and you still care about them. And even though the day to day things that come up and we fight and we have arguments, I still love you. That's what they need to hear, mm-hmm. right? You know, give them all the closure they can before they die, and in return you will get all the closure that you can when they do because you'll know you've done everything in your power. Yeah. Right. I can give advice and things like that. Sure. But I can't tell somebody, okay, this is how you breathe. This is what mourning looks like and well, this is how you do it. It's different for everyone as it's, well. It's different for everybody. All I can do is just in that process, since I've been through a similar experience, I can, I can look at them while they're in that process of grieving and say, you know what? Look, I, I understand kind of what you're looking at. I can't give you all the answers. What I can give you is emotional support because I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but it's also hard to say. It's like, you know what? Look, death is a constant thing. It will never change and it'll always yeah. be here. I can't say that to a morning person. You know? Nope. Absolutely not. They would just shut down. They would not listen to me anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they'd be like, well, thanks. That doesn't help me right now. That's not productive. Yeah. But that's that's the thing that yeah kind of end up realizing. Yeah, it's like okay, it's am I gonna back. am I gonna continue kind of like just running away and just kind of like oh not just being scared of it, not looking at it in the eyes, which is perfectly normal mm-hmm. and perfectly legitimate, and it's not a bad thing. But eventually, people are gonna have to learn to look death in the eyes and face it. Mm-hmm. I and feel le- like it's unless they want to be scared in their last days. Do they yeah. want to live in fear for the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it's important to. 
kind of come to that realization that death is rational um, and that like fearing it is also rational, but you shouldn't allow it to become an irrational fear. Yeah, exactly. Or else, yeah, your your quality of life is just going to go down. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's 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 what I do say. It's like yeah, it's, it's it is a rational fear. It's just manage it within a rational space. Mm-hmm. Right? Once it becomes irrational, it becomes an obsession. Yeah. And if you're if you're obsessed with with the idea of death, it's not going to shy away from you. No. It's still going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen whenever it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of it, fixating is yeah. never going to be productive. Yeah, guess what? It's indiscriminate. And guess what? If you're sick and you're fixated on death, your body... It's probably just going to accelerate that, that yeah. dying process. Because your body is getting all these me- messages from your brain saying, guess we're dying. Let's prepare to die. Mm-hmm. And then if your body prepares to die... It's your weaker. Your system shut down, your immune system crashes. And then guess what? You get even sicker and you actually die. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that happens. I know. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so worried about death and I'm so fixated on death. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. And all your body hears is die, die, die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're just so fixated on that idea. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, I, I'm sorry for, you know, kind of dominating the whole conversation. Oh, no, it was, it was good. You had a lot of important stuff to say, I think. Yeah, I think, I think the, the thing that I can say the most is, um, you know, know, at least try to know what your area of influence is in the death process mm-hmm. when it comes to a loved one or yourself or something. Because you can't change death. But what you can change is the quality of life of those last moments Mm -hmm. if you know it's coming if you don't know it's coming and it just happens suddenly like it does for so many people like your dad goes off to work and he gets in a car wreck on the way home and you never see him again Mm -hmm. how do you deal with that you know i mean i don't have all the answers but death is a constant thing and it's something that everybody will have to look at and face for themselves and try to understand for themselves and what it means to them and the, the, only, the only thing I can say is just I, I encourage people to just um, try to investigate death and how it, how it you know, what it means to them. I yeah. mean, if they're, if they're listening to this episode about death, they're probably kind of already on that path anyway. <laughs> you know? We're all on that path, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like genuinely, seriously investigate it in a rational frame of mind. Yeah. What is it? What does it mean? And how does it affect me? And it's not going to change. No. De- death is not something that's ever changing. Nothing ever just changes. Yeah, I think it's a very uncomfortable headspace to kind of throw yourself into. But it's at the end of the day, I think it is more productive to mm-hmm. have that set. Like, well, this is how I think about death. Now I can stop obsessing and get on with my life. Exactly. Like, it's... This is what it's, you did for me. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. Yeah, because it's very easy to obsess about death when you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But when you do understand it, it becomes more of, you know, a part of life. Mm-hmm. It is just a function of life. And a function given the same input will always return the same output, right? Wow. Bringing it back right at Bringing the end. Back. Wow. Well, does anyone else have any last minute inputs? Yeah, not really. No, no? not for me. All right. Um, I don't think, I mean, okay, so with the coronavirus pandemic, um, all of our events are canceled until further notice. 
Right. We are not tabling. Um, our there won't be anyone at you. Our speakers are. I have abandoned us. Um, we don't really have a whole lot going on but we will continue the podcast I believe we are going to continue um, the coffee meetups uh, unless the situation gets worse then obviously we want to um, socialize as little as possible we'll Um, we'll do Collins yeah (laughs) (laughs) great perfect but um, for now I think uh, I think we're gonna head out Have a good one. See you next time.